Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix, where the water is always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. We're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to savor real-life experience from launch to coxie at every level. We're Tara Morgan and Rachel Friedman, and this is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode, a conversation with five of our Changemaker Scholarship recipients about takeaways from the U.S. Rowing Annual Convention and their big ideas for 2022. These rowers, students, and coaches told us what's on their minds from burnout and breathing techniques to DEI, sports psychology, and transgender policy. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, would you leave us a review? When you do, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears. We are really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. Growing up in Philadelphia and looking for some direction, Maurice Scott was introduced to rowing during a learn to row camp at Bachelor's Barge Club. But when he noticed that no one else looked like him at regattas on the Schuylkill River, his father's moral support motivated him to keep at it. Today, Maurice is a lightweight scholar with four championship titles, multiple corporate sponsors, and a personal mission to be a face of positive change in the world of rowing. Maurice, thanks so much for joining us. Hi. Hello, y'all. Nice to meet you guys. Again. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> nice God. for you to be here, Maurice. Thank, Thank you. you. I want to ask you, what is it about rowing? What keeps you in the sport? I mean, for me, it's like, I mean, when you're out in the water, regardless if you're with a team or you're by yourself, it's just so, like, tranquil. And it's like, whenever I'm on the water, I don't think about the the neg- negative, the negativity on the outside world. I don't think about you know, I got to, you know, do these chores or I got to go be an adult, be an adult. Like it just, you're on the water and all you can, all you think about is the the strokes you're taking, the environment around you, like you're just living in the moment. And I just love that because it just gives you a break from, you know, the outside world. It just gives you that breath of fresh air. Um, and, And aside from, you know, being, being in the community and being around your teammates, like the sport and the sport in and of itself, whether, whether you're with a team or alone, that, that in particular part, um, you just kind of just embrace, like just live in the moment. You just live in that moment and it forces you to live in that moment because if you don't, you're, I mean, it's going to be a rough row. Like you, it just gives you being, being a rower, you, you, you you focus in. And I mean, I don't know, I don't know any rowers that don't focus in like that sport forces you to do that because it, it, for you to think about something completely different, it just screws up your whole rhythm and you you can feel that. And once you feel that it brings you back in. So um, just that, just that, uh, just that look on the sport, it just, it, I don't know. That's just for me. It just, just gives me again a breath of a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Eat, sleep, row, repeat. Isn't that what the shirt says? That yeah, yeah, that's right. Also, my dad loves the shirt, by the way. Oh, awesome! <laughs> Thanks for that plug. He picked up a row source, eat, sleep, row shirt. That's right. Yes. 
before we were talking about recruiting, we were talking about recruiting and bringing kids in or new rowers into that sport. And it's something really hard to explain as a coach or a volunteer, but that freedom that the sport allows um, mm -hmm. to put everything else aside for the hour or two hours that you're at the boathouse. Um, and that freedom can be amazing and life-changing. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's definitely for sure. And like when I was little, I mean, it gave me with my races on Saturday or Sunday, it got me away from doing chores at home. So it was my, uh, actually like so that's how it all started. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you, you, you have the stresses of life, you know, we talk a lot here at steady state network about teach teaching and coaching the whole athlete and knowing your athletes. And I would imagine kids from uh, underserved backgrounds or challenging backgrounds that that victory that moment away from all of those stressors and to have a coach that sees you and understands you and pushes you. Um, it's my no means a complete, like I'm not, I, that's not my life, but you can imagine for masters, for kids, for a lot of people that, um, that a little bit of escape and focus is just a life skill. Like mm -hmm. it's an absolute life skill. It's a, it's a resiliency skill. It's a stress management skill. Mm -hmm. And it's just, um, you know, late recently um, I read this quote and I made it my own uh, during COVID where we were in lockdown. I'm in an isolated Island, you know, I'm like mm -hmm. in a very small community and it was very lonely. You know, it was very, I think a lot of people experienced the level of loneliness that they had never experienced because you didn't know what your go-to things was. And I heard this quote that the way out of the shit is generosity, right? The mm -hmm. way out of that deep, dark place is to extend yourself. And so when I teach learn to row, I'm always teaching my little screwed up masters, new masters <laughs> rowers who are so in their heads about they're screwing up and they're not doing it right. And, you know, they're so, you know, sort of competency focused. I'm saying, you know, tie yourself to the person in front of you somehow find out something about them find out what their dog's name is find out what movies they like find out how you guys uh maybe have the same birthday whatever it might be and that um connection to each other and that i think that's what makes rowing so special for me is the interdependence of it it's probably why i won't um skull other than physically <laughs> not yeah. really connecting with it but i always miss my teammates when I'm in a single, I always miss my teammates and I miss that challenge of right. connecting and interdependence. Right. No, no, you're definitely absolutely right about that. Definitely absolutely right about that. And, and also the, I also wanted to add the sense of accomplishment. Like once you're done a workout, like, I mean, they say, or I, I think it's very true. Rowers do more before 8 a.m. than the rest of the world. Um, because I mean, regardless of the workout, like, I mean, we're working out at the crack of dawn, like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., like we're, we're getting up and uh, Lord, people ask me all the time, what, how do you get up at 5 a.m.? Like, that's so crazy. But it's just like, rowers just do it because we're, we're rowers. Like, that's what, that's, I mean, that, I don't know, that's just in our blood to do it. And we, we just do it. Like, I mean, all of these factors that we just talked about, it just plays a role into that. Um, and it, I don't know, that sense of accomplishment and then starting off the date right, 
like, I mean, regardless if you're a student or, you know, you have, you're in a professional world, um, anytime that I work out and then go to work, like, I just feel, I feel great. Like it just starts my day off. Right. And I'm definitely a firm believer that, you know, if you're starting your day off, if your day is starting off rough, your whole day is probably going to be rough. But after a row, um, on a water, like I, every time I felt good, whether it was a rough row or it was a good row, if it was rough, I learned something from it. If it was a good row, it was a good row. So either way, it's a positive positive foot that I'm taking to start my day and it carries throughout the whole day. So I have a question. If you were going to recruit, cause you did do some recruiting for Philadelphia, right. Uh-huh. And they send you into some middle school or just to a, you know, a church youth group, or they send you to a community center and you're like, Hey, everybody, here's my top recruiting t- <laughs> like, tips. Like what, what is your, your selling points? to a kid you're just our average philadelphia kid who is your point of outreach what's your top recruiting tactics um honestly so when i when i did recruiting um one was um colleges like because it well it depends on who i'm recruiting so if i'm recruiting 11 to 12 graders i'll be adding colleges and have being able to get scholarships if i'm recruiting from like ninth and 10th grade um it's more so like i'll add the scholarship part but i'll also kind of add the glamour part too like hey you can get these medals you can travel um to different states and uh and you know in the future like i know a lot of athletes you play basketball you get in sponsorships and whatnot well growing now has that too so you can get all this free gear and whatnot and you for, for me, I found that adding glamour to the sport really helps to recruit because a lot of these kids in inner city, all they see is basketball, football, baseball, and the glamour behind those sports. So it's kind of like we have to adapt to, you know, going against these other sports because right now kids are just seeing that and that's what they want to do and they're set up being, you know, the next NBA star. Uh, but for, for rowing, for, and that's another reason, another motivational factor of mine is to make rowing more uh flashy should i say like i mean there's a lot of grit and grind to it but that doesn't mean that you can't make it look good um and so that has that has been my philosophy going into recruiting um and i think it's worked because i've definitely had a lot of you know signups and um obviously bring the herb down to show how the how you can um how the how the stroke works and then having little mini competitions uh between the kids getting them excited building the atmosphere atmosphere building the hype um and then that'll get you know a lot of kids to sign up and once they sign up and come down to the bow house i think getting them on the water kind of triggers that love for the sport because it's something they've never done it's something you know that they haven't been used to and that sense of community starts to factor in and you know that becomes a lock and they they're in the sport so i love i love that you use the word flashy because i absolutely would classify your modeling campaigns with rowing blazers as flashy because it's they're beautiful we're all benefiting from the elevated profile of the sport because we are trying to get away from it being this white preppy elite you know sort of enclave sport and into something more accessible and i think we're not taking that into consideration often that accessible means a lot of things to a lot of different people right? The door being open is, is only step one. 
it's like right. what they find when they come in the door and yeah no it's definitely like I mean it seems like everybody's getting starting to get on that JL racing has started to um, elevate their flashiness and uh, Rolling Blazers obviously Wintech like I mean there's a lot of companies out there that are um, adding some some flavor to the sport and I'm, I'm all for it and that's why I've hopped on board with all of those people because that's I mean, that's been, again, that, that all plays a role into, you know, the motivation behind me being in a sport to begin with, so. Didn't Archie Cooper have a pair of sneakers made? Yep. So, yeah, from the movie, The Most Beautiful Thing, I actually have a pair of those as well. Um, nice. Shout out to Archie for sending me those. <laughs> he's the man. Um, but, yeah, so, and he's actually the reason why I was at Road New York to begin with. Um, he recruited me to go, to go there and uh, help run that program. So he definitely, for, for the Road New York um, piece, he definitely played a huge role into that, um, as well as uh, the Rowan Blazers and everything. Like he helped out um, with that as well, so. And going back one second, I love that you uh, use the word hype. But it also ties into um, something I heard a presenter talking about at the U.S. Rowing Convention this year. He was a younger guy, I think maybe in his 20s, talking about, you know, what rowing can do to kind of up its cachet in the sporting world. And he was like, dude, I want to put everybody's names on the back of their jerseys. Like, why don't we do that? Um, And that was a really kind of interesting idea. I mean, I don't know if that's the answer, but it's like part of a rebranding effort for the sport to make it something that people recognize as a valid, valuable sport. If we were to put it kind of on par with other big activities other sports that people get excited about that would that's, be that would be interesting that's very not? interesting why not nothing else is back there usually <laughs> i mean and the, the, your teammate needs something to look at too well with right? the postal rowing they i think they got their names on the the national team um unis for that inaugural yeah their names were on there oh nice they oh, were We'll have to check that out. I'm going to, I'm going to ask a couple of those folks if we can see the backs of their unis. I think I only ever saw the fronts and pictures. Yeah, no, I, you're think right. it, I think it's, I think it was just on the front. I remember it says Old Breeze. I remember John yeah. said Old Breeze on the front. Yep. Oh, yep. you know what? You're totally right. And that's like, mm-hmm. that's taking a cue from um, like USA Triathlon. They do that mm-hmm. um, in Olympic events. They put the, the names kind of on the front of the jersey. So it's talking about um, unis and awesome swag. Um, I think this is a pretty good segue into talking about your work with um, JL. Um, I know JL, I think their first year for their ambassador program was 2017. And I remember being really excited about that. It was super unique and actually applied. And I thought, you know what? Well, why not? Like, I'm going to get some sweet swag. Right. And, uh, and I was accepted and I wore my swag around. I had a nice uni and a couple of other things. And what they wanted you to do was be an ambassador for the, for the company and, um, you know, basically promote it and yourself and your activities on social media. And I think truthfully, I was a little half-hearted about it, <laughs> but I did it. Well, um, social I- media wasn't what it is now. And I I think I was just in a different place about it. Um, But you are a jail ambassador, have been for a few years, and you're also a captain. And I'm not sure I actually really knew that there were captaincies. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What does that mean? Yeah, my friend Ben's a captain out here. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's more so, I mean, COVID kind of rocked that that portion of it, just because as a captain, you kind of just put bringing people together within the region. Um, but again, obviously with COVID, that was probably not going to happen. That didn't happen. Um, but I guess it's just more so for 
um, to for those that have you know been in it for a while and kind of know what to do um, and kind of just motivating other ambassadors to kind of you know put their put their content out there. Um, social media again has definitely changed the game when it comes to um, when it just comes to any type of apparel or any type of promoting uh, marketing. Um, and so it's more so I think it, it was more so like a, just to be kind of like a leader and kind of showing the ropes to other ambassadors of what to do. And, and again, making it more so not just like an ambassadorship, but kind of making it a community in and of itself. Um, and that's why the ambassadors were, were the captains were chosen um, in different regions um, to bring, again, to bring other ambassadors together um, and do JL boats and figure out different type of volunteering and community events to get involved in um, mm -hmm. and just not, you know, just wrapping this swag and that's it. It's kind of making it have, have the ambassador program have a little bit more substance. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network and on Twitter at Steady State Row. Sign up for our e-newsletter and become a patron at SteadyStateNetwork.com. Tara and I, I don't think can name another rower or coach that we know who has sponsors like you do. And that's really new. Like you said before, um, you know, rowing is technically an amateur sport. We do it because we love it. There are very, very few opportunities for elite rowers to make any money off of it. But, um, you know, you have, um, you've picked up a couple of sponsors with Bont Rowing and Rowing Blazers. And um, we're, I guess we're kind of curious what that's like for you and um, what those, what those relationships are like and what they mean for you again I've just been kind of being my own agent and like <laughs> trying to figure out like hey what should I like which sponsorship should I pick up like when people you know reach out to me because I definitely have a, a good amount of you know companies that reach out but I try to stay um stay loyal to certain ones than other ones and like it, it just it's just all like a, a game that I'm everybody's just learning together and it's so new to the sport um, but I'm just trying to help pave the lane. So when somebody else comes walking behind it, they could walk on solid earth. So it all started, uh, it started with jail racing. That was the first, the first, and the first one that has like offered me, um, anything when I got that, that was, and you, like you said, in 2017, like when I got that, I was like, yo, this is sick. This is awesome. Like this is jail racing. Like I, I'm about to be like rocking it and way back when I knew jail racing, if you had jail racing, like you were awesome. Like you were like, you were the stuff like that was, you were it. Um, and so when I got that, it was like really exciting. Um, but then, yeah. So throughout the years, I mean, I've been rocking jail since, um, since 2017 or even before that, but rocking them, um, as a, as a sponsor or whatever you want to call it. Um, and yeah, I've acquired uh, a couple other uh, sponsorships. Yeah, with Wintech, uh, Rowing Blazers. That was that was pretty 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 daggone cool um, to do that. That whole campaign um, was really um, awesome. And it again, like I said before, uh, with kind of being on the forefront and having seeing a face um, that looks like you, uh, that all of these have definitely helped out um, with 
Bont Rowing. That's my most recent one. And that was crazy to get that too. Like I just got reached out by, by them and Bont Rowing is like really good, um, a really good company. Um, and it, they, they're based out of Sydney, which is really cool. So I got a little bit of taste of my second home um, when they reached out and uh, they just, a lot of, it, whether it's monetary or whether it's clothing, um, I've received all of that um, from these different, uh, from these different programs or sorry, companies. And I don't know, it's been, it's been really, uh, really cool. And how I was telling you about the flashy and the, and adding the, the hype and adding the flavor to the sport. Um, that's always been a goal of mine. And if, you know, if a company, if I think a company um, can help me help provide that out, you know, rock their stuff and, um, and, you know, work with them to continue to make the sport one, uh, one more, more marketable, but also more inclusive at the same time, kind of trying to kill two birds with one stone here. Get bonus steady state content, early access to podcast episodes and store discounts. When you join our Patreon community for as little as $5 a month. Become a patron today at studystatenetwork.com slash Patreon. In two, we're back with Maurice Scott. That's one, two. You know, we haven't talked a lot about your actual rowing. Um, so we wanted to kind of dive into your actual rowing part because I think that's just as important. That visibility is just as important. We saw you at Masters Nationals uh, rowing the first ever all-black male quad. Uh, and you guys looked fantastic. I got some video. It looked really awesome. Ooh. I know it's really good. Um, so we wanted to ask you about putting that boat together and how you've come to be a, as a successful master's rower. So, um, so I, so with that, with that specific boat, um, there was an idea brought up uh, by Napoleon. Uh, you guys know Napoleon. Napoleon um, Griffin. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, we should like get a boat together, um, like an all black quad." And I was just like, "You know what? Let's do it." And so um, I ended up recruiting uh, recruiting Marcus Brown um, and and Brooke Yimmer um, to you know be in that boat. And I mean, it it just worked out. Athletes, we did it with, with uh, sorry with athletes without limits. Um, and they helped us put, uh, coach Patrick Johnson, um, and, uh, coach Marco, they helped put together the boat, um, and helped with, uh, the practices that we had. We had a couple practices, not nothing crazy, like practicing every day, but we got in the boat together a couple of times. Um, and then we just said, Hey, we're just going to go and, and, and go and rock out at Masters Nationals and, you know, see what, what can happen. Um, and, I mean, after a year and some change without racing, obviously because of COVID, mm -hmm. definitely was definitely was special. 2021 was like huge for me because um, 2020 was it was just extremely rough with, the, with everything going on. But 2021 really like brought everything together, and that was you know one of my memorable memorable moments. Uh, winning head of the Charles was also a very memorable moment, um, and then doing my first head race and having the third fastest lightweight time. Um, at the head of the hooch was really, really cool too. So um, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say like, I'm still like, I, I'll call myself and I'm like in between like the masters rowing and like going for like, for me, like after in 2017, I definitely considered myself an Olympic hopeful, especially after um, beating um, the Olympic training center at nationals. 
Um, and so I was like, heck, maybe I can do this. But uh, as we talked about before, I kind of put that on the back burner because of the law, um, getting into law enforcement and trying to um, make a change into in that uh, in that area. And so I kind of pushed it back. But right now, it seems as though I'm just having fun with it. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. So, hey, if I want to sign up uh, for a master's race, I'll do that. But if I if I feel as I want to go to trials or do anything like that, I can do that too. Like I'm kind of more, it's, it's more, I don't have like a tunnel vision type of focus because I, I realize a lot of athletes burn out and just, they're, they're just done with just everything. And so I'm just trying to take a different approach. And, you know, I train hard, it's fun. Like that's part of the fun is, you know, training hard, but when people ask me, hey, what are your your goals? What do you want to, you know, accomplish? Um, honestly, it's just continue to love the sport, um, continue to, you know, be be a face of the sport. And, you know, if I, if I feel as though that I want to go to trials or I feel as though I want to um, go wherever, I, I'm going to do just that. I'm just, you know, trusting myself, trusting my body, and I'm just going, going with the flow at this point and just having fun along the way. Well, PBC is a great place to do any and all of those things. I mean, that is an institution, not just here in the DC area, but people know about PBC. It's been around for something like 150 years Mm. and the list of accomplishments and accomplished rowers there is long, long, long and impressive. Um, We know that um, a lot of national team members have come out of um, PBC, but you got me thinking about this because I know that you're a lightweight and there's a lot of discussion about lightweight rowing being scrapped. So uh, that's got to be frustrating to say the least that you've been on this trajectory and then maybe there's nowhere to go with that. Yeah, that I've, I've definitely been, you know, keeping, keeping up with, with that talk and chatter. Um, but again, it, like there's a certain point where, I mean, the, in the U S we still, you know, we still recognize uh, lightweight categories and I believe I believe in world championships um, they still recognize uh, lightweight character categories but for the Olympics I think that's where a lot of major discussion is going on for the lightweight um, for the light for the lightweight cat boat uh, classes but uh, for me is like I, I, I'm not so you know solely focused on um, reaching or going to uh, going to that level again for for me is just having having fun with it for me it's hard to gain weight like I'm I mean when I don't work out I may get to like 175 or something like that but when I'm in training like training like five six days a week I mean I dropped to 155 so it's definitely um definitely would be a blow for them to take it out when whenever that you know bridge gets here I'll figure out how to cross it um to say the least so we have an exciting um time coming up with the Olympics coming to Atlanta uh, to, to Los Angeles in 2028. I can picture you having some role there in 2028. I mean, it's here, it's on American soil, it's 1500 meter racing. Uh, who, who knows about that? But. I know there has never been a, uh, a black rower to represent on American soil. Hmm. No. Yeah. Okay. So maybe it's you, maybe you end up encouraging someone, maybe you end up coaching someone, maybe you end up uh, being on the Olympic staff. I mean, there's any number of ways, uh, if that's of interest to you, it's been fun to watch how rowing's come back to life this year. Yep. 
Yeah, for no, sure. No, it's definitely, it's definitely been cool. And like to see everybody, you know, a rose Christmas at the Charles and just seeing all the, the people that are coming about. It's like such a di- different atmosphere. Like you, you can't get that anywhere else. Like just having a dag on there, every rover from around the country just to come into one spot. And it's just like it, so much energy. I didn't make it to the Charles this year, but I was at nationals, you know, and um, what really dawned on me this year, because I've been involved for, for so long, but this was the first time I went to nationals and I felt like I'm not just here to race or to be a vendor, but like, this is a giant social opportunity. You know, the longer you're in the sport, the more people, you know, and especially with social media, we're all meeting each other from all over the place. And then you all dump someplace for nationals or head of the Charles and this opportunity for us to all get together. And I thought that was really, like you said, really special, but also felt really different this year because we'd all been kind of dying for it. That's probably a <laughs> terrible choice of words. We'd all been itching for it yeah. Um, yeah. for, for a long yeah. time. You know, it's it's like um, I mean, yeah, I mean, any any major competition. So like Masters Nationals as well. Like that was really really cool because that was my first time I've ever done Masters Nationals. And so yeah, I've never I've always went to Club Nats, which obviously they screwed all that up. Um, and and so we kind of like oh, we'll just do Masters Nationals and see what that's all about. Um, and so yeah, I mean, it was such a it was such a great time and like who doesn't have fun doing a thousand meters? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's, it's over the moment you take your first or second stroke. Like it's, but it's just so much fun because it like the races that I saw, they're so close together. And like a lot of the races were determined by photo finishes. And it's, I mean, it's just who can hold on to that, the high stroke rate, low split for the longest. Like it's not, it's not like a strategy, like a 2K. Um, right. A thousand meters. Like, I mean, you, if you, if you start out slow and try to conserve your energy, you're going to get burnt from the line and you won't be able to come back because the race is so quick. So, oh yeah. Yeah. There's no yeah. settle. I mean, there, yeah, there's, no, <laughs> there's no settle. And that's and, why it's so, I mean, a thousand, it, it's still testing your athletic ability. Like I don't really see it different than a 2k in terms of that like you still need to be strong you still need to have good technique to finish across the line first it's just the the timing like with the 2k I mean it everybody knows there's a strategy to it like you're not just going out you know at a a 40 the whole time to from start to finish like that just that 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 does not happen um but with you know again with the the 1k it's just it's, it's, it's different just because of the, the timing of the pieces, but outside of that, I mean, you still need to, you still need to be, um, you still need to be fit. You still need to, you know, be able to um, hold those ratings um, because if you don't, for 1K, it's so short, there is no coming back. Whereas a 2K, if you, if, if you do it the right way, you, you can make a comeback because you have, mm-hmm. you know, 2,000 meters inside from 1,000. So it's just different, different techniques that go into both racing, but I think both of them are just as, um, are just as, I would say, exciting to do. Yeah. I, I wonder, actually, if, I wonder if fifteen hundred meters is going to make it way, make its way all the way to masters and and, and juniors now because of the Olympics. Like that's that's <laughs> why we did the two K. I think in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, it's the ultimate test. Um, I wonder if now I just saw something where they were like, are we going to move? Um, some of the biggest races in the world are asking, should we, are we going to move to 1500 now? Like, no. Yeah, no, it's, well, 
I have nothing against that. At all. <laughs> well, what just kind of dawned on me is, you know, so I've been a mat, I've, I came in rowing as a master's rower. I've only mm-hmm. ever raced one case. Like that's what I've done forever. And oh, ever wow. a few years ago, I had the chance to, to, uh, to Cox a 2k, um, out at, um, crew classic, San Diego crew classic. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this fucker will never end. It is so yeah. long, <laughs> but you are, I mean, you're a double a category, right? Like you were mm-hmm. technically a master, but just barely. So you're making that transition from yeah. 2k racing to 1k racing and understanding and coming to understand what that 1k is. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you talk about like the 2k having a strategy and the 1k not, I mean, we've always had a strategy for a 1k and <laughs> for a lot of people, it is go out hot and stay hot, you know, but it's also yeah. figuring out how to maintain it. And I've seen a couple of different strategies. Cause we're old. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we're old, <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen things play out a couple of different ways. Um, even within um, the boathouse that I row at. Um, so when I was with, uh, DC strokes, our strategy was to be first one off the line and hold it through the, t- through the high 20. Mm-hmm. Um, the trick then was, was holding that advantage and, and, n- we often saw other clubs take it from us in the last 250. And so it's interesting how hot do you go out and how long can you hold it? And can you still bring it up for the final 250, even though it's just, just quote unquote, a one K race. That no, that is, that is true. And I mean, that was our, for, for us at master nationals, it was just like, we got to get in front and stay in front. And I knew like, I was very confident in everybody in the boat that if we got in front, we could stay in front. Um, and like our first race, we were just like, we, I think where we messed up, I, well, where I messed up is that I treated that 1K like it was a 2K. So like once I started, you know, the high 20, I was like, all right, we'll just settle and I'll try to conserve energy to the last. And then it was over. I'm just like, oh, I got all this energy still left in a tank. I totally screwed this up. Mm. Like I'm just, I didn't realize how fast, especially in the quad, in a quad with those guys like I didn't realize how fast it was going to go and it yeah. went by fast and I was like yeah we can't do this again um, <laughs> and so yeah and then the next one yeah. we just like took off yeah um and so yeah I mean it's just it was definitely like a learning curve for me um going, going from like 2k's to 1k's so yeah well, welcome to it. Welcome to 1K Racing. Um, this can be the rest of your rowing life. <laughs> it could be. It could be. I'm not. I'm not. Tot- I'm not totally done yet with 2Ks, but yeah. I, I, this is like a fine, like a good. You know, uh, for me, it, I'm just building a foundation again, especially now that I'm a single scholar, and we could thank COVID for me becoming a single scholar because I just didn't want to. Um, I just felt as though that one. I think single scholars are like the best scholars in the world or the best rowers in the world because one that anytime they mess up it's only them they can't blame nobody else um and so if things aren't going their way it's their fault um so there's a lot of accountability when it comes to single scholars um and then two like there's for for me um it's just so much easier to to market myself than to you know market other people other people in the boat like it's just it's I've had this whole like like master game plan when it comes to rowing and trying to make it more um again like we said before more flashy and kind of giving it some hype um so I've kind of like 
put myself into, you know, single sculling. I still do the team boats, obviously, when I did the the, um, the quads and eights and stuff at Master Nationals. But my sole focus has just been um, building up my own technique and my own figuring out my own stroke. Um, and then once, you know, once I do that, yeah, I can hop in other team boats. But like my sole focus is just racing and learning how to race by myself instead of having to rely on somebody else. And I've definitely been in boats where I'm just like, oh, this is hard. Somebody else can pick up the 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 pool for me but you know it's more for me to keep myself accountable um for all the strokes and if i'm losing it's because of me if i'm winning it's because of me are you training for crash bees i hate the earth (laughs) that's the one thing like people know people know like this about me especially if you've been throughout my whole like my whole career and definitely the irk has been used against me even though like I'm faster than people in the water so I've like strayed away from being like I'll I'll do the irk every once in a while but for me it's water time I'd rather I'd rather do that because that's where that's where I'm going to win at like there's not the the irk like I am little I am a lightweight there are definitely some fast lightweights out there don't get me wrong um but I feel as though my I mean I'm a rower not an irker um, that is my philosophy. People are probably going to kill me when they hear that and send me messages, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. We all have our different, you know, different relationships with the erg. And we've talked to a lot of people who are indoor rowers and not oarsmen, you know, so it goes both ways. Um, I mean, like, I'm just curious what you're doing over the winter. Are you still getting, I mean, the, the dock is up and out at PBC, right? We can, so yeah, so we can use, so the PBC does have rules, um, when it comes to that, but if you have your own single, you can still go out um, as long as you just have your phone and have your flotation device with you or wetsuit. Um, all the all the, if you're following all the safety precautions, you if you ha- if you do on your own single, you can go out. So I still go out, and I also do boxing for cross training too. Oh. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I go to a boxing gym and uh, and just do do something different. Um, again, that, and that plays a role into burnout. Like I just want, I like to switch it up a bit. And so I'm still building up my physical fitness, um, but I'm not just sitting on an erg every every other day and just staring at a screen constantly, constantly for three months straight. Like, I mean, that's insanity and rowers are insane. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I've tried to switch it up a bit to keep to keep me, you know, keep me sane, sane keep me focused on getting my body right. Um, but also doing something else fun um, while waiting for the, the weather to warm up. So, and that was the good thing about Australia. It was wrong all year round. So the earth is very, very minimum. And it was, nah, it was, it was like just, a, it was a great time. So. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to be able to be on the water year round. I really would. I'm, yeah, I'm chomping at the bit to get back to it in the spring. And, um, like you said, dealing with burnout, um, Tara has heard me talk about this a lot recently because I am in a total, erging slump. I, I erged for years and years and years and years and then got back on the water and um, can't get myself to get back on the erg right now. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens January. But 1. you don't have to. I mean, I think but that's you don't have the thing. To. Yeah. And I think that's what COVID taught us was yeah. that people train in a lot of different ways and a lot of different ways make great rowers. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that grind of going to the boathouse three, four days a week with your team sitting down in the winter time. Okay. This Friday, you guys were doing a 2k, you know, we're ranking everybody. We're, you know, and all we're wanting is to go back out on the water usually. And, um, I think that it's just kind of going out of style in a way because the indoor rowing world has really taken off as its own sport. 
So I almost feel like it's freed us from having to use the erg as a cross trainer and that so many other cross training opportunities are, are out there, you know, doing uh, power lifting and, and hit training and hit intervals and yoga, cycling, cycling uh, mm-hmm. cross country skiing. I mean, you name it, you know, Crossberry and their cross country skiing is a perfect complement to rowing. And uh, I love the idea of us just being released it's got the cachet and the mythology of being a torture device, right? Yeah. And we have some terrible memories on ERGs. Like, let's oh, just be absolutely. honest. <laughs> There's some PTSD around, yes. around ERGs. Um, we do a, a steady state Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's just an hour of ERGing. And I I think we thought of it because I used to love doing this event at Ergomania called their Hour of Power, which is as hard as you can go for an hour, um, which is... Uh. fun in, in, in some ways. Um, but we do this city state Sundays because we want people to join us and just hang out for an hour. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you could throw in some power tens. You could just, you know, just get your mileage on. I think that's the advantage of the erg is that you can get your mileage. Yeah. Sure. A little bit tangent, but talk about mileage. So Napoleon Griffin has been stacking up the mileage the last month have you seen his stats he's no. doing like, he's doing like 50k a day on the earth a day insane. yeah it Ouch. is insane he racked up like three million meters last month it was bonkers so i kind of want to know where he goes like <laughs> where what is in that brain what is he doing to stay motivated He's, he's got a fire. He's got some yeah, fire there, lit. There's something <laughs> under that I do not have that fire. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell him all the time, like, yeah, bro, you got that. Uh, I'll <laughs> do that on the water, but I won't like on the erg yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't embrace single sculling. Um, I can't do sculling. My body hates it. I love sweep. Uh, so I'm, what? I know it's weird. I'm like the opposite of most what? people, but I'm off balance, so I like rowing port or starboard like i'm built like candy wow. one piece i know i know so i need it i need i'm putting the word out i want to race the pair i love the pair that's my wow. favorite boat of all time uh you know so hopefully i'll be back in the pair this spring kudos to you i don't you're the first person i've ever met that has said that they like so once they were introduced to sculling have said that they like sweet more Oh, hundred percent. That's so crazy. I love, sweep. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> my back, anytime I sweep now, my back hurts. Oh, yeah. I'm the opposite. Yeah. When I skull, I'm like cobbled for days for sure. <sighs> like wow. it's a mess. It's well, a mess. See, the sport is for everybody. Everybody it's, has their see? place. <laughs> yep. It's totally got true. <laughs> okay. So Maurice, oh, yeah. we always wrap up every mm-hmm. episode with rapid fire Q and A. Got it. You ready? I am ready. Okay. okay. All right. Well, we've already talked about this, but sweep or skull? Skull. Okay. Bow seat, stroke seat, or engine room? Bow seat. Salt water or fresh water? Fresh water. Sprint race or head race? <sighs> head race. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, favorite coxswain command to give or receive? Gotta say, rest in peace to my coxswain, Salim Ellis. He used to say walk. So anytime he said walk, we would rock through cruise. Uni or tank and trow? Uni. Uh, and then I'm not sure if you are, but coffee before or after a row? 
Tea. Yeah. Welcome to the Tea Club. Welcome to the Tea Club. Tea Club. And I'll say after the row. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Tea Club. We're not coffee drinkers. Yeah. Neither so, am I. Yeah. yeah. No. Maurice, this was awesome. Thanks so much for talking with us. No worries. Thank you for inviting me. This is yeah. cool. Always. It's always cool. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. To see photos of Maurice Scott and to get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Because of the amazing support of our patrons, we've been able to produce nearly 40 episodes of Steady State Podcast and are really excited to be kicking off our third season. When you join our Patreon community for as little as $5 a month, you help us reframe the popular yet limited narrative about rowing culture. You'll also be the first to know about new episodes, get Steady State freebies, and store discounts. Find out more at SteadyStateNetwork.com slash Patreon. Hey, Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast. Oh, we should definitely tell them that we've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from basically across the country and around the world. Yeah, I always look forward to Friday mornings when we get together for coffee chat on Instagram Live because we get to talk about rowing and racing and technique, but we also kind of just talk about whatever, like DI and motivation slumps. It's always neat when rowers from around the world tune in and join us. Yeah, so you should join us on Fridays, 8.30 Pacific, 11.30 Eastern on Instagram Live. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to our conversation. And we know that sometimes everyone needs buddies to help get them through long pieces on the earth. So we lead Steady State Sundays the fourth Sunday of each month at 6.45 a.m. West and 9.45 East. And when folks register for this 60-minute Steady State State Erg workout, we give cues and insights to keep you motivated along the way. So you can work at your own pace and then stick around after to chat. Yeah, so if you want to find out more about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, visit SteadyStateNetwork.com slash events. Steady State Network is brought to you by me, Tara Morgan. And me, Rachel Friedman. Between us, we have 33 years of rowing, coaching, and costing experience and running successful rowing-related businesses. Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, which champions inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. And Rachel is the founder of RowSource, the original online resource for master's rowers since 2014. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Seize the Oar and RowSource. In two, let it run. That's one, two, let it run.